Hey, One Hope, would you help me to say hello to those who are joining us online? Come on, put your hands together. Say hi. We're so glad that you're joining us at home, and we would love for you to join us in person real soon. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series that we're simply titled Goats. We're talking about the greatest of all time out of the Bible. Can y'all handle that? Can, can anybody handle that with their Jordan, LeBron, Kobe discussion, right? Can anybody, tell, can we just stay focused on Jesus today? Real quick, though, can we just digress for a moment? How many of y'all say Jordan, number one, greatest of all time? Come on, show me that. Show me that. Show me that. Y'all are quiet. Come on, give me a little shout. I'm, I'm a Jordan all the way, and my vote counts for 50. I'm just letting you know, all right? How many of y'all would say Kobe? Kobe's greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. No Kobe fans in the room. Whoa! LeBron. Anybody a LeBron fan in here? Wait. Man, I love this church. All of you are from Michael Jordan. Come on. Give it up for Jordan right there. Come on now. I know there'll still be some debate after this on the greatest basketball player of all time. But today, today I want to talk to you about the greatest overcomers of all time. And this is one of the great things I love about the Bible and about being a Christian and that it gives you the opportunity to look back and look at people's lives and how they lived and how they dealt with challenges. And then they become an incredible example for our lives. I, I, I don't know that this is going to be a revelation to any of you guys, but how many of y'all know that this is not the first pandemic the world has ever faced? Anybody know that? Right? How many of y'all know that, that that Hurricane Ida wasn't the first hurricane that we've ever faced? Come on now, right? How, how many of y'all know that there's going to be future storms? Now, Pastor, come on. Did you have to say that? Yes. Listen, this is not the first time that we as a people have gone through hardship. And the great thing about being a Christian is that you can look back and say, wow, look what they did. Look how they engaged with the storm. Look how they dealt with. And then you can embrace those truths. You can grow. You can change. And you can be better. And so today, to kick off this series, we're going to look at one of the New Testament's greatest overcomers of all time. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's life because his life more than any other person's life in the New Testament other than Jesus. How many always say Jesus is the goat? Come on now, right? right. We, we believe Jesus is the goat. Next to Jesus, the apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the books of the New Testament. He went on most of the missionary journeys. He planted most of the churches in the, that era of time. He was a goat. He was an overcomer and faced challenges that some of us have never even in engage with the idea of facing those kinds of challenges. And so today, what I want you to hear at the very beginning of this series is that for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how to really address some of the challenges that are around us, but really, really how to address them in an overcoming way rather than feeling like, ah, I just got to carry this forever. No, I want you to kind of embrace this ennobling truth that we find in God's word that you and I can be overcomers. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? All right, I, I just want you to know that you can. Our key verse for this series, we're going to read it every single week, and I think you can memorize this one. It's going to be on screen, full voice, Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Come on, give me your best T.D. Jakes impression. Here we go. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Simple verse. If you have children, you've probably told them that, you know, two, two wrongs don't make a right. Okay, so like, we're not going to overcome evil by doing evil things. We're going to overcome the evil in our world by being more like Jesus Christ, by following the example of the greatest overcomers in Scripture. 
Now, if you're kind of like me, I love to look deeper into the meaning of words, especially if I'm going to live according to those words. Take some notes with me if you're at home or in the room. The word overcome, it's rooted in the Greek language. It's where it's derived from the word nikeo, and it's also where Nike, come on, the greatest shoes of all time right there, has derived their name, Nike or nikeo. It literally means to carry off the victory. So when Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, he says, don't let evil carry off the victory. No, no, no. We're going to carry off the victory with good. Can I get an amen? We're going to live differently. And so the word is very, very important that we dig a little bit deeper and understand that you and I have the image of God. We were made in his image. We have the ability to overcome everything that the enemy throws at us. Today, I titled the message, Overcoming Evil. Because every one of us right now, if you dive a little bit deeper than the surface conversations, we kind of feel like there's this ever-present evil that's lurking around every COVID-19 encouragement. Some of y'all got quiet right there. It's like... They want me to wear masks. They must be evil. I don't know that it is, but we have this feeling that, that evil is lurking on every side. We're, we're looking at people like, why did you make that comment? Why did you push that forward on Twitter? Why did you tweet those things? Did you, do you have some evil intent? Can I just tell you that the devil is everywhere? Y'all know that, right? But not everything that's happening in the world is caused by the devil. If you missed last week's message, I told you that Satan is certainly present in the world, but when Satan isn't present, there's still plenty of stupidity out there, right, everybody? There's plenty of foolishness in the world, but we're all feeling as though, like, I need to engage with what's going on because I want to do what's right, but I think all of us want to overcome and do what is do what is good. We want to overcome the evil that is in the world. And just like previous generations, you and I are called to carry the flame. We're called to carry the torch in this generation of the goodness of God, of what it would look like to be right with God and love people even when people do evil things in the world. We cannot become like them. We can overcome What's the famous quote? You know it. It'll be on screen. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Well, today I know you're here because you're not do nothing kind of people. You're people who've decided to pursue God and to follow God and to overcome. And I believe today that if you open your heart, you'll get a little fire inside of you, a little, a little desire. Something's going to kind of take over. You say, you know what? I'm going to be the Jordan in my generation. Come on now, right? I'm going to be the one who stands up and says, no, no, God has a better way. To help you to dive deeper into this, I want to look into a passage of scripture that describes the Apostle Paul's life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I've got to warn you that this is one of the least encouraging passages of scripture in the Bible. I'm going to say, well, pastor, couldn't you read us some encouraging ones? Yeah, that's at the, 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 the end of the message, all right? In, in the middle of the message, I need to show you real life. I need to show you why we're looking at Paul as the goat, as, as one that would help us to overcome. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. He starts off by saying, 
five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. If you just stopped right there, anybody familiar with a whipping? Anybody, anybody's mama gave you a whipping when you were growing up? My parents did not give whippings, they gave whoopings. Y'all know the difference, right? You walk differently after a whooping than you do with a whipping, right? Now, if you're unfamiliar with the context of what 39 lashes was in their culture, in the Jewish culture, the, the, the largest punishment, the largest beating you could give someone for doing something wrong was 40 lashes. And so the Jewish Pharisees, that's the legalistic group, they wanted to be gracious, and so they would prescribe 39 lashes. How many of y'all say thanks for that grace, right? One, one last beating. Paul said five different times he was held down and beaten for his faith with 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. He had to separate that from the lashes because that was just a little extra, y'all. Once I was stoned, and Paul ain't talking about the recreational sense here, okay? Like, people picked up rocks and threw them at him. Come on, just keeping it real at One Hope Church today. Three times I was shipwrecked. I think after the second time, I would have given up boats. How about you? Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I like how he put long journeys as one of the bad things in his life. (laughs) Anybody hate long journeys in the car with your kids? Come on now, right? He says, I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of all you crazy people who go to church with me. That's what he says. He says, I'm carrying the burden of your lives. And he ends it by saying, well, who is weak without me feeling that weakness? And who is led astray? And I don't burn with anger that they were led astray. This isn't really an encouraging passage of scripture in the sense of it's just a clear telling of the hardship in one person's life. And I think it's important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to recognize that hardship has been overcome in previous generations. And we can certainly look at the ease of our current culture and say, man, I don't know if we're as strong as we used to be. And I think that's a healthy discussion to have. But I want you to know that in face of hardship, in face of evil, men and women historically have risen to the occasion and overcome the hardship. And if they can do it, we can do it, everybody. If they can embrace the hardship and and look at the challenge, and instead of being overcome by the evil, they overcome that evil with good. We say, well, pastor, are you saying that everything we're dealing with is evil? Well, I think everything that we're dealing with began with evil intent. We say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? If we go all the way back to the original story in Genesis chapter one, God's intentions were for you and I to live a pretty good life. Four rivers, no clothes, fruits on the trees. It was a great, it was a great environment for us to live in. 
But what happened? The enemy crept in and he deceived Adam and Eve. And before you get angry at Adam and Eve, you probably would have messed it up too. Okay, let's be honest, right? But he crept in and he deceived them and sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, we begin to have all sorts of hardship. Now you can say, well, today is my hardship as a result of that. Well, it began there. It began there. And so I want to give you three areas of hardship that we all face that are rooted in the enemy's attack. And the enemy certainly wants to use it to turn our lives for evil rather than to turn our lives for good. Here's the first thing that happened when sin entered the world. We all begin to deal with physical brokenness. Our bodies begin to die. See, God's original plan was that we would live forever. I like that plan. How about you? I kind of like the idea of eternity, but God's original plan was attacked by the enemy. And when that happened, death entered all of our lives. So uh, not good news. Don't say amen. You might want to say, oh me, but you and I were born dying. Listen, it's a, it's an amazing statistic. It's kind of overwhelming, but 100% out of 100% people will die until Jesus comes back. We're all facing some sort of physical brokenness. And can I tell you, there are times when I, I wish it weren't so, I wish I weren't getting older. Anybody in the room feel that way? Recently, my children, I've told you this a few times, they, they love to kind of begin to poke fun that, that if I don't get a haircut early enough, they start saying, hey, dad, your grays are coming in real good. Like, they begin to let me know. And so I told them, listen, your mother and I brought you into this world and we can take you out of this world. Don't bring up my gray hair again. Amen, everybody? We're all facing a reality. We're all looking our physical brokenness in the mirror. And that brokenness is a result of the enemy's attack of evil that tried to attack our lives. But listen, we don't have to live in that physical brokenness. We don't have to live in that mindset that it's going to overcome us. We can live with hope that it's going to change. That hope comes from God. We're all facing physical brokenness. Sometimes when I'm counseling young couples and, and they're just all giddy, you know, they're, they're, they're all giddy about getting married. You ever, you ever remember when you were engaged to be married? You're like, oh, oh, when, I, when we get married, oh, happy day, you know. The sun's only going to shine when we get married. Like, we won't live in separate places. We'll have one bank account. Come on, ladies, fellas, right? Like, we'll, we'll share money. We'll share. Re it's going to be so good. It's beautiful. Y'all are laughing because some of y'all been married for a while. <laughs> what happens? You're faced with your physical realities that not everything is ice cream and rainbows, everybody. That there are challenges in the relationship and, and, and then you bring children into the world and you age a little bit and you gain that, uh, come on, that freshman 15 in marriage. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all didn't do that. We all see it. It's present. But it goes a little bit deeper than our physical brokenness. That's a reality. The second that we see in Paul's life, but we also face is, is an, an emotional hopelessness. The more we look at 
the more we focus on the problems, the more we spend our energy focused only on those things. There's a hopelessness that tries to creep in and that this like, you know, it's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. It doesn't matter what I do. So I might as well just eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. And so that becomes what we say here in South Louisiana, this laissez-faire. Come on, let, uh, let, let the good times roll, right? We're going we're gonna to just do whatever we're going to do because it doesn't matter because it's always been here. It's always going to be here. But I can I tell you that if previous generations had that mindset, our world would be far worse off than it is now. The fact of the matter is that we had an overcoming generation that lived before us. We had people who carried the baton of their faith and said, no, 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 we're not going to be overcome by evil. We're going to overcome evil with good in the way that we live. And our physical brokenness, though it's real, doesn't have to continue and be an emotional hopelessness. I think this is one of the hardest ones for all of us because... And I think this maybe is a product of even the pandemic that so many of us have had to retreat into our own lives. And instead of being able to mask our problems with other people and other things, we've had to sit and look at ourselves. This is one of the hardest things to do. Can I tell you? It's so much easier to look at social media than to look at yourself. If you really want to look at a screen, just sit in front of a mirror for a little while. It's very telling how long you can look at yourself beyond, before you start looking beyond the surface and you begin to look into your own heart. And it's there that we have to realize that there's some work that needs to be done in our culture, is it not? That there are some challenges that we, we need to overcome the evil inside of us before we work on the evil that's outside of us. That we need to focus on the sinfulness that is in our own hearts and lives rather than pointing the finger at anyone else. As my grandmother used to famously say, when you point the finger at somebody else, you got at least three more pointing right back at you, right? And so before you point out someone else's issue, be sure to look at the log in your own eye. There is a physical brokenness that's real that we're dealing with. There is an emotional hopelessness that's ever-present and bubbling to the surface, which leads us to our spiritual emptiness. See, the reality is that Adam and Eve believed that if they listened to the serpent, that they would know better than God. And when they did that, they were showing their emptiness. They were showing that they were not trusting God the way that they should. And the, the avalanche of problems that have shown up in their lives and our lives is because they believed that the life that they were living, that God wasn't giving them his best. I think this is kind of the core question that we all have regarding God. Hey, God. Are your intentions really good for me? Or are, is this Bible really just here to keep me from the good life that I'm supposed to have? I think all of us, this is where the enemy creeps in. Hey, did God really say that you can't have that fruit over there? Did God really say that you were going to die? Because you're not going to die. But what was the serpent saying? 
He was telling them the truth about their physical bodies. They would not die in that moment, but immediately there would be a spiritual emptiness. They would break in their relationship with God. And when there is spiritual emptiness, can I tell you, there's emotional hopelessness. And when there's emotional hopelessness, the physical brokenness spirals in the wrong direction. And what we're seeing in our world is the product of evil's attack on the image of God. Y'all follow me today. See, God has placed his image in you and I, and the enemy wants to do everything he can to spiral that image in the wrong direction. So why did I title the message Overcome Evil? Because it would have been so much easier to say, hey, how about we just overcome our our physical brokenness or our emotional hopelessness? How about we just overcome this spiritual emptiness? Listen, it is overcome when you decide that you're on the side with God and you're opposing the enemy. Listen, this is a bigger deal than just fire insurance so you can go to heaven. This is bigger than the sin you found yourself in in your past. I need, I need, to, I need to help some of you because even your relationship with God is, is based upon the simple idea that I just want to deal with my guilt. Listen, that is a byproduct of choosing God that you can live guilt-free. Amen, everybody? You can remove shame and fear and worry. It is a product of coming to God, but it isn't the primary reason. The primary reason is that God designed you. God has a plan for you. That God is your creator and he represents all that is good in the world. And when you were born in this world, Jeremiah 1 says that he saw you in your mother's womb and says, I've appointed you to walk around and tell people what an overcomer looks like. I looked at you and said, oh, oh, you're going to be the Jordan. You're going to be the one who stands out. You're going to be the one that's a voice crying in the wilderness, make way for God. That there is something better than following all the evil in the world. Have you noticed that every major movie, what draws us in is the conflict between good and evil? Have you noticed that every story, that the crux of the story is what is going to happen if good men and women don't rise up and oppose. I love that it's in every story, that it's in every kid playing in the side yard, right? They got a good guy and they got a bad guy, right? They got a person who's running and they got a person who's it. And the person who's it is the bad guy. Y'all got this, right? And there's a choice. There's a choice that we're ingraining even in our children very, very young. That there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And if we aren't careful, we'll let the onslaught of that evil overcome us. Rather than getting in that good football position and saying, no, no, come hell or high water. I'm not going to let evil overcome me. I'm not going to let them carry off the victory. No, no, no. We're carrying off the victory. Amen, everybody? Now, as I look around the room, it it appears that a few of you, like me, are are just old-fashioned Saints fans. Any Saints fans in the room, right? 
who, who are we battling today? Do you know? The giants, yes. It was the quiz, thank you. Some of you over here praying for y'all. Like, some of y'all wearing jerseys, don't matter. If it ain't the saints, they're, they're the devil. You know, like, I get it. We're probably the only football team that actually has Moses attend every stinking game, right? God is on our side. Listen, we want to overcome. We want to overwhelmingly win the victory, right? Everything, everything has to be looked at at some point in a deeper fashion to understand that what you're standing for in your family isn't just a choice issue. That what you're standing for in your family roots all the way back to what is right and what is wrong and deciding where you get those rights and wrongs is very, very important for our lives because we are the generation that has to carry the baton to overcome evil. Listen to Paul, Romans chapter 8. I like his, his fire. He says, so, so who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Well, we know, no, it's a rhetorical question. Or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Come on, say the next word with me. No, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul goes on to say, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth. Some of you guys who are afraid of getting on ladders. Paul said, listen, even being scared of heights won't keep you from God. He said, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some translations take the words more than conquerors. And they say that we are more than overcomers. It's actually the same root word as overcome, nikeo. But they put this word right before nikeo. They put this word hooper. Come on, say it with me. Hooper. Hooper nikeo. And the word hooper, every time it's used, it's used in such a way to say that it's just like they're going to blow you out of the water. If you say an incredible quarterback can throw the football 50, 60, 70, maybe even 80 yards, an incredible person could throw the ball. They can nikeo, they can overcome the average person. But with God, Paul says they're hooper nikeo. They can throw the ball out of this world. That there is something present in us as followers of Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to overcome what we thought we could not overcome in the past. And today what I am calling you to is not to be angry. What I'm calling you to is not to be dismissive or to begin to use this overcoming strength to do evil. No, no, no. I want you to kill people with kindness. I want you to look at the craziness of our world and say, nope, not doing that. We're doing this in God's name. We're going to overcome. We're going to do it as more than conquerors. So we prepare to close. Let me give you four truths that if Paul 
were running right alongside you and I, if Paul said, hey, you want to be one of the greatest overcomers of all time, then you're going to have to believe some truths about how you're going to make it through your physical brokenness, your emotional hopelessness, and the emptiness that is in all of our lives. How are you going to do it? You're going to have to believe, number one, that God will give you the strength to do it. This is an incredibly powerful truth because we're taught from a very early age that we should be self-sufficient, that we should try to do things based upon who we are and my ability. But everything in scripture says, don't live your life based upon your ability, live your life based upon God's ability. Make choices based upon what God will do on your behalf rather than what you can do on your own. God will give you the strength to do it. Someone said to me just last week, they survived Hurricane Katrina and had to rebuild largely everything. And then Hurricane Ida didn't do quite the amount of damage, but close to their home, literally said to me, I I don't know if I can do it again. And I looked at him in front of his yard and said, we'll do it together because God will give us the strength to do it together. Amen, everybody. And, and I just stopped him. I didn't even know if he was a Christian. I just said, I just want you to know that, that I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And can I pray with you? And I, I literally said, hey, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Because I didn't want to weird him out in any way. And I just said, hey, can I, I want to pray for you. And he said, yes, please pray for me. And in a moment, something changed. Two days later, he came by the house and was, and was sitting in his truck and he began to go down the list of all the things that were going to be different because they were going to be okay. And I said, what happened? He said, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I, I don't really even do this. But when you prayed for me, something, something happened. Something changed in my mind. And I said, I'm going to be okay. What's my choice? He said to me, give in or win. Listen, what I'm saying to you is that there's something in the belief that God will give you the strength to do it. Second Corinthians chapter four and six, he says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Powerful statements. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. He says, this makes it clear. Come on, read it with me. That our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Listen, there's going to come a point where you're gonna face your physical brokenness and realize that you can't do this on your own. And it's in that moment that you decide to overcome the evil lie that says you're enough. Because in and of yourselves, you are not. You and I need God. We are built to need God. And that emptiness that God has allowed you to feel is so that you will know that you are not good on your own. That you and I need God. The second truth that Paul would come and say to us is that not only God will give you the strength, but God will actually make you adequate for the tasks that he's called you to do. When you recognize your weakness and you recognize that your strength is God, then God begins to make you adequate for the task that God has called you to do. 
And so this is what it looks like for me on a daily basis. I say, God, in and of myself, I can't do this. In and of myself, I can't lead this church. In and of myself, I can't lead this family. In and of myself, there is nothing good. There's no, not one of us that's righteous without God. But because I have accepted you, God, because you are a part of my life, I'm preaching better than y'all are amening right now. Listen, because God is in my life, there's an adequacy that says I can get up here even when I feel like the first service, I really didn't preach that good, y'all. I said, that happens to you? Yes. Some of you think, ah, you do that so well, it's so easy. No, no, there's not a moment I stand there that I think, God, if you don't go with me, it won't be good. And there's not a moment that I don't walk off that the enemy says, that really sucked. Y'all say, well, how do you keep doing it? Because it ain't about me. It's about him, y'all. It's not even about you. It's about God. It's about me glorifying God with the gift that he's given me and recognizing that even when I think I have failed, God has made me adequate to the task. Listen, thank you, one of you. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter three and verse five. Come on, he says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God who made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I am adequate to this task, not because I'm prideful or if I figured it out. No, no. I have thrown myself at the feet of God. Said, God, I've waited out. I'm a cosmic accident. Or you have designed me for an intentional purpose. And I, I have gone all out for the intentional purpose. And I hear him calling. Be a voice in this generation that overcomes evil with good. God will give you the strength if you'll trust him. God will make you adequate to the task if you'll believe that he is making you adequate. Here's the third as we prepare to close. If you'll trust him, Paul would say, you know what? God will renew your spirit. And instead of feeling empty after pouring it all out, you would feel fulfilled. Every single one of us has faced the moment where we went after something and it didn't produce the fulfillment that we wanted. Maybe it was the first girl you asked for a date and she said no and you felt emptiness right after the ask, right? Maybe it's the first time that you decided that you were going to save money or you were going to pursue a degree or that you were going to have a particular job and, and then you finally got everything that you said and realized that everything you said didn't fill the hole in your heart and life. It's in the moment that we face our emptiness that we come back to realizing that it's only God who renews the spirit. It's only God who changes us from the inside out. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Paul says, there's going to be this moment where we all meet God together. Have you ever imagined that day? There's going to be this moment where we meet God of this together. He says, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, come on, say it with me. Our spirits are being renewed every day. 
Paul said, I have found that, yes, as I'm still facing the fact that I'm getting older, there's a spiritual renewal that has shown up on the inside. That there is this hope that's being brought into my heart and life that's different than when I watch a television show. It's different than when I eat a meal. That there's a spiritual sustenance that begins to change how you feel and how you're going to approach life. I want you to know that God will give you the strength. Amen, everybody? That God will make you adequate to the task and that if you'll trust him, he'll begin to renew your strength. You'll begin to sense, hey, I've got the ability to do this. After the first 10 days of the storm, right after you guys know that we've all were facing just different levels of challenge, some with power, some without power. Love that boil water advisory, don't you, right? It's like, could could we just... uh, But for whatever reason, the gas to my stove was great. Facing all different levels of challenge. And then all of a sudden, as the things began to trickle back on, right? Trickle back on. I was living this emotional high of just like, get up, get it done, right? Just do what you got to do. I think about so many people who still showed up to work and served and cared. I think about our military. I think about So many people who have been just on the front line of facing sickness and still showing up and serving people during this season. But I had a moment. I had had a moment where I was just sitting in my room and I was like, ah, I'm, I'm exhausted. I don't know if I can sit with another person offering them a tarp and water and, and clothes and food and watch them fall apart again. I, I, I had this, can I just be honest with you? I just had a moment. I, was like, I, just, I don't, I, matter of fact, today I'm going to stay home because I don't think, I don't think I can, I can do it one more time today. And I was randomly, just randomly, I came across a great communicator who began to say, the world is, The world is rife with suffering. It's not going to go anywhere. You have to make a decision about who you're going to be. Are you going to be someone who is overcome by the suffering? Or that someone who wakes up every day and says, I will push against the onslaught. I will go the other way. And all I can tell you, as I was laying on my bedroom floor, rolling out my sore back. Come on now, being honest with all of you guys, right? Just roll, just saying, what am I going to do? I begin to sense this renewal on the inside. And I told Amber, I said, oh, you got to watch him. You got to listen to this communicator. And she, for two hours, all I did was listen to truth about how we're going to overcome. And it did number four for me. Number four, it changed my perspective begin to change the way I felt and it began to change where I set my eyes because I was looking at the problem rather than looking at the problem I need to look at the solution and I need to set my eyes on God 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 is our closing passage he says for our present troubles are small what? Paul are you nuts? Paul what are you talking about? do you know what we just went through? he says for our present troubles are small and won't last very long Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. There is a point in all of this where you're going to say, I can't look at this any longer. I can only look to God. I can only look to God's way and God's plan for your life. The same day, Maybe it was a day or so after, after I was being renewed and encouraged, Amber came and found me and said, I just, I find myself thinking about heaven more than ever. I said, what do you mean? She says, as I look at the amount of suffering and the evil and the challenges, I find myself setting my eyes on heaven, looking what what it would be like to be with God. And I think that if you're going to make it, if you're going to overcome evil with good, you're going to have to set your eyes on God. Let him change your perspective today. Amen, everybody. I know it's a, it's been a, couple of weeks where I've been bringing you some challenging messages, but the times they demanded of us to rise to the occasion. Amen, everybody? And today I'm calling you forward. Don't don't fall into the spiral of negativity and hate and anger. I want you to overcome evil with good. Would you bow with me at home and in the room? Today, if you're far from God, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand or come to the front. But if you're here under the sound of my voice, and today you know you need God in your life, would you whisper this prayer? Come on, say these words right after me. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.